are right in the middle of our first month of the Deconstructed Church. And for those of you who are visiting today, we started out on the first Sunday. I did a uh, kind of an introduction to what a Deconstructed Church would look like. And then we had a State of the Church address. Last week, I shared with you the vision for Huntsville Christian Church. And today, um, and our vision, by the way, is win, commit, grow, and go. And I also shared with you our vision was developed from a desire to be like Joshua, where he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And here at Huntsville Christian Church, we want to honor and serve the Lord, as well as um, Jesus' last directive to his disciples, where he told them to go into all the world preaching, teaching, and baptizing in his name. That's kind of where the wind commit, grow, and go has come from. And now that we understand the vision of Huntsville Christian Church, you need to understand our mission comes from that vision of wind commit, grow, and go. That's, that's what that, we use those things to filter through as we decide how or if something will be added or how we do things as a church. A couple of years ago, you need to know this, the elders and the staff went away for a retreat. We spent some time looking at our vision, asking God what he would have us do. We came up with some things based on scripture that we thought we could do a better job on. Things that as a whole, we weren't doing very well. And we, we decided, you know what, here's some things we can do better. And I'm going to share them with you today. We can do better with, with church growth and discipline, or excuse me, discipleship. <laughs> some of you, no, I'm kidding. Church growth and discipleship and, and small groups. I'm going to talk about these things individually here in just a second. But we can do better at community outreach. We can do a better job at, at volunteer recruiting and training. We said, you know, we can do a better job with, with what our missions is doing, how, how we're doing missions and our mission ministry. We can do a better job in how we're investing in our college and our young adult age people. I shared with you earlier in this month how 2.7 million Christian adults are walking away from Christianity and, the, and they're leaving young adults to, to fend for themselves. A couple years ago, our elders said, you know what, we're going to invest in those young adults, those college age students, and they started doing that. And I'm excited about that. We've even laid out some blueprint plans, if you will, for uh, the distant future, like what it will look like when the time comes to maybe add an additional worship service or additional staffing when the time is right. And we've been laying some of the groundwork for these things and how it would look because we're sold out on the vision of when commit, grow and go. It's been our vision for 50 plus years. Our mission, the way that we're going to put boots to the ground, so to speak, is through these things. Loving boldly, connecting unselfishly, serving humbly, sharing unconditionally, while maintaining unity. And that's where the list that I just shared with you came from. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we take a moment this morning, as we look at the mission of Huntsville Christian Church, as we look at what the, the leaders and the elders and the staff feel you would have us do why we're here in this place. I pray that we'll be encouraged by your work. I pray that we'll be encouraged by your word. I pray that we will in turn encourage one another and spur each other on to do good works and to, to be a reflection in this community, to be a light on a hill. I pray that what we hear today will affect us, it will imprint upon us how we can do all these things that you've called us to do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
I want to break down our mission statement for you a little bit and share it with you and, and kind of explain how these things are the product of it. And so I want to start out with love boldly. You can, you can write that down if you want. What does it even mean to love boldly? Well, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, he said, what is the greatest commandment? They were trying to trick Jesus. And Jesus answered like this. He started with verse 37. And, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 3.13 also tells us this. And verse 13 says, But now faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4.13-19 is also a, a great encouragement to us concerning how we should love boldly. Verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. We have seen and testified to the Father that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love, by this, excuse me, by this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. And here it is. We love because he first loved us. I don't know if you were counting, but there were like five or six abides in, that, in, that, in, that, in those verses that we read. God abiding in us. We abiding in God because of love. You see, in our world today, everything, almost every friendship that we start out, is because it has something to offer us. Every friendship on Facebook or every follow on Instagram, every business card that we pass out, every connection on LinkedIn is another person in your network because at some point it will benefit you. Depending on what you're into, the goal is to grow the network or build the relationship so that you can maybe get a raise or step up the ladder, if you will, or whatever. But God shows us, what I just shared with you, many examples of, of love just because. And when we love unselfishly, or, or when, excuse me, when, when we love that way, we'll also have a desire to connect with people. That's that abiding. And then when we connect with people, we need to do that unselfishly. We need to connect unselfishly. Matthew 8, 1 through 18, Jesus connects with two people unselfishly. He connects with a, with a leper and a centurion. And, and you can write that down and look this up later. But, but here's what happens. Both men approached Jesus. First, it was the leper. And basically, they said to him, I know you can heal me if you will, if you desire. Same thing. The, the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, I have a servant back home and my servant is sick and he's dying. I know you can heal him if you will. And Jesus says to the centurion, well, take me to him. And the centurion says, listen, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know how you are. And he says, he says, I'm a centurion. I'm over other people. I can tell them what to do. 
And, and he says to Jesus, I know if you say it right now, he can be healed. And Jesus was like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's my version. Read it for yourself to make sure. Check me on it. But he did. He, he said, go home. He's healed this instant. Your faith healed the servant. These men, these men approached Jesus and said, we know you can heal. Jesus connected with them unselfishly. He even told the leper, he said, don't tell people what I've done. Just go and cleanse yourself and, and present yourself to the priest and worship. Go, go worship. All through the gospel, there's evidence of, of Jesus loving people. There's evidence of Jesus connecting with people unselfishly. Nothing, he wasn't asking anything in return. He didn't say to the leper, I'll heal you if you will worship me. He didn't say to the centurion, I'll heal your servant if you will, will follow me and give up your job as a centurion and, and become one of my disciples and go every. He didn't say that. All through the gospel, there's evidence of the way that Jesus connected with people unselfishly. One of my favorite examples is in Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21. And, and here's, here's what the scripture says. Now, when Jesus heard about John, it's talking about John the Baptist. And do you know what he heard about John the Baptist? You can answer. Yeah, John the Baptist had been, had been executed. His head was cut off. So you know, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He was also the, the one preparing the way. He was, he was out telling people Jesus was coming. So they had a connection. It was a close connection. Jesus heard about John. He withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place. Or excuse me, I'm making things up. Yeah, to a secluded place by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. <clears throat> when, the, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them. Now, first off, he just left in a boat by himself thinking about what had happened to John the Baptist. But as he gets there and sees the crowd, he has compassion on them. Nobody's coming up to him and saying, hey, Lord, Jesus, sorry, sorry to hear about your cousin John. Maybe they did. Scripture doesn't say it. So, so think, I just think about it this way. Nobody is, nobody is trying to comfort him, but he comes ashore and sees these people, felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. And then it became evening. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate. The hour is already late, so send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go anywhere. It, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. Breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. There were about 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. He could have said to that crowd, instead of having compassion on them, he could have said, hey, leave me alone. My cousin just died. I'm, I'm in a little bit of mourning. He could have done a lot of things, but he didn't. And, and he did that unselfishly. He fed them physically. He fed them spiritually, even when he, he was thinking about what had happened to his cousin John. Mark 8, 1 through 8 is another example of Jesus connecting with people, over 4,000 people actually. 
Uh, again, he, he met their physical need. And then he spoke the word of life to them as he gave them fish and bread. How about you? Are you ready to, to look at people like Jesus did? Through the lens of how can I intentionally connect with that person regardless of what I'm going to get out of it or whether it benefits me or not? Can we begin to look at people that way? In, in this room and outside this room. You see, Jesus knew what people needed. He met their needs knowing that at some point they would all be like Peter and have moments of turning away from him. Those same people that he healed, those same people that he fed, some of them were the same people crying, crucify him later. But he connected with them unselfishly anyways. We need to love boldly. Don't be afraid to love. And we need to connect unselfishly. And as we're doing it, we need to serve with humility. We need to serve humbly. In John 2, verse 1 through 11, Jesus performs his first miracle. It's one of my favorite miracles that Jesus does. Not because he turns water into wine, but because he does something really unheard of. First, he sasses his mama. He does. He says, woman, my time has not yet come. She said, she said, they ran out of wine and she said, he'll take care of it. But he said to her, woman, my time has not yet come. But then, and, and he could have, he could have really, he could have, he could have refused her. He could have played the son of God card. He could have really stood on that. And, and there's not a lot she could have done about it. But instead, he, he honors her. He honors his mother by serving humbly. Now think about this. And you guys know this story. Jesus had a wedding. They run out of wine. He turns water into wine. But he performed his first miracle for the servants of the people throwing the wedding. Like the, the, um, the honored guests, the people throwing the wedding, the, who had, they, weren't even, they didn't even know what was happening. It was Jesus and the servants. Jesus and the nobodies. And he performed his first miracle for a bunch of nobodies. His mom said to the servants, you do what he says. And he simply said, go fill those pitchers with water. His first miracle was with the lowest of lows. As far as servants go. They had to carry the wine jug. The only guy lower than them was like the guy who had to wash people's feet when they came in the house. But he served humbly. I want to challenge you to make some time this week. To look at John chapter 3, speaking of serving humbly, I want you to read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 again. And I want you to read it through the lens of serving humbly, because that's, that's John 3, 16. We know John 3, 16, and especially verses 16 and 17, because we know these, all right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Read through that this week and think about, through that lens, of serving humbly, loving boldly. When we do those things, what comes out is sharing unconditionally. See, we need to remember that Jesus did that. He, he shared the message of hope with everybody that he came in contact with. Tax collectors, prostitutes, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the Pharisees. He shared with the little children. Let them come to me. 
He shared with the kids. When you look at the example of how Jesus lived his life, loving boldly, serving with humility, sharing unconditionally. It's hard to share unconditionally. It's easy for me to loan you something because you're going to give it back to me. It's hard for me to say, just here, take it. That's tough. Jesus did that all the way up through his death. He had every opportunity. Pilate said, I have the power to release you. She said, no, you don't. He went through the beatings. He walked carrying his cross. Sharing his body for us. When he could have done something different. And his goal for all of that was unity. He didn't come to separate and divide. He came to unify. He came to bring the Old Testament and the New Testament as we see it, that way of life, the old and the new. He came to bring those together and to do it with unity. That's how he did things. He even prayed for unity for his followers, for us. John 17, verses 22 through 24, Jesus says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you have loved me. Verse 24 says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. One of the last things he, he requested of his father was we would have unity. He prayed for our unity. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, we're also reminded about unity. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. You've been called. If you are a Christian, you have been called by God to walk in a manner worthy of that calling with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Why is it that the people that you're closest to are sometimes the people that are hardest to be tolerant with? We just brush them off and say ugly things. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent, to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Folks, if we don't have unity in Jesus Christ, we really don't have much at all. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Unity is essential for the bride of Christ. Unity is essential. And I've shared with you our mission. I want to share with you some of the things that we're doing. And I'm going to tell you how they kind of fall under the mission of Huntsville Christian Church. As we look at community outreach... It's something that we as said early on. We weren't doing a very good job of it, so we started to change some things. We've already begun to change the way that looks. Last year, 
we did something we have never done before. And, and we filled the whole place. Standing room only. Had people in the hallway. Just before Resurrection Sunday, we hosted a live drama called The Messiah Inquest. It was a great evening of fellowship and entertainment. We had a full house from people all over our community. You guys were the cast. You were the stagehands. You were the set decorators. The youth group did a great job as greeters and ushers, bringing people in and out. It was just a great evening for us to put into practice, connect unselfishly, love boldly, serve humbly, share unconditionally while maintaining unity. There were people from all other religions that night, but we shared unconditionally with them the story about Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we'd like to do it again. So I'm going to put a selfish plug in. Ms. Lillian Cook has agreed to be our director again. You can see her if you'd like to be involved. With, oh, look at that. Round of applause. I feel like I should give you flowers now or something. Um, she didn't know I was going to do that this morning. But as, as we look into our community and, and different ways to, to tell the gospel message, that was one of them. And people liked it. And we had a lot of good comments from it. And, and people weighed in on the verdict of whether Christ was innocent or guilty. And so, and so you all were part of that. And I want to thank you. We have an opportunity to do it again. So if you would like to be involved, you can check in with Miss Lillian. There'll be some more information over the next week or so. She's trying to put together a cast. But now you know. We've also hosted, our for the second time, our annual Veterans Dinner. Uh, we have a group of 12 volunteers that head that up and get other people involved. Um, this year, our keynote speaker, Ronald Reagan. Really, it was. Actually, it was... It was David Ronald Reagan, but I just the fact that it was Ronald Reagan, I was just mesmerized. It was great. He said he's a retired Army lieutenant colonel, and he said to us, he said, you know, Huntsville Christian Church has set the example how churches should treat veterans and those who have served our country in our community. And he said, I appreciate what you guys are doing on behalf of veterans. We need to continue to be a light in our community here, not by bringing them here, but by going where they are. See, that Veterans Dinner was at the Jackson Center. It was nowhere near Huntsville Christian Church. And that's okay. I'm also happy to say that we continue to serve a meal at the Downtown Rescue Mission every three months. It's served to people who have completed the recovery program. And this is a program that that helps set men and women back on a track to be productive members of society, if you will where they've beaten addiction through this program and they've, they've spent time. And the rescue mission not only trains them with basic job skills, but requires each person that's involved in this to attend uh, worship service and Bible study classes every day throughout their course. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to serve in this capacity at least once. Because almost every time I've been there, I get to witness two or three people being baptized. It's awesome. They're changing lives. And it's not happening here They're four miles away. We need to encourage that. I love seeing these folks take the plunge, if you will, for a new life for Christ. It gives me encouragement that God's word is still living and it's real and it's right here in our community. And we can be a part of that. Another example of how we're living out our vision and our mission here at Huntsville Christian Church to connect unselfishly, to love boldly, serve humbly, share unconditionally while maintaining unity. And I'm going to say that a lot in case you're wondering. We're setting up to do a better job, volunteer recruitment and training. As we recruit and train new volunteers and teachers, it's for that purpose. We're not just teaching them to to open up a book and lead something. We want them to connect with the people in their class, from kids to adults, 
connect unselfishly, love boldly, serve humbly, share unconditionally in this building. And as we prepare for visitors and guests, I got to tell you, we've got some amazing greeters in our greeters team and our first impressions team. But we need a few more. They're kind of the first face of Huntsville Christian Church. They lay the groundwork for this mission of connect and love and serve and share. They say, welcome. We're glad you're here. Let me show you where you need to go next. We're also making some mission ministry changes as a result result of connect unselfishly, love boldly, serve humbly, share unconditionally. We're going to talk more about that next week as Mike and I share with you some of the vision for our adventures and missions, as I call it, for the coming year. We've made some changes in the, the world of college and young adults here at Huntsville Christian Church. There was a time when we were like, wow, we've got all these young adults and we're not really training them up out of high school. They just are kind of in this overflow place. And I talked with the elders. They said, that won't do. Let's do something about it. So we started a young adult class and Joe and I taught that class for, for a couple of semesters, if you will. And then um, we started something on Friday nights with them as well. We had to make those changes. Now we're investing in them. We're training them up, if you will, to connect unselfishly, love boldly, serve humbly, share unconditionally. The reason I bring that up, and I'm going to embarrass them right now because they don't know I'm doing this either. As a college group, they said, you know what? We want to get involved. I said, what do you want to do? We want to feed the young kids on, on Saturday, Sunday nights. That's what night it is, Sunday nights. They said, we, we want to make a meal. They were like, yeah, we were in high school. People made meals for us. We want to prepare a meal for the youth group. They don't even have kids in the youth group. Most of them don't even like junior and senior hires anymore. They, they were there. <laughs> some of them still have some siblings in that. It's true. They're like, hey, we've moved on. But you know what? They're like, we can all pitch in five or ten bucks and we can provide a good meal. One night they even made steaks for him. Thank you for loving boldly. For serving unselfishly with, with nothing to gain except a thank you. You see, we're investing in them. We're focusing on church growth and discipleship. Now, I need you to understand something. When you hear me say the words church growth, uh, that has nothing to do with how many people are in this building. Okay? Church growth is, is about spiritual growth. It's about the maturity, our spiritual maturity. And I've always said, I'd rather serve with a hundred people that are sold out for Christ than a thousand people that are just coming for a show. So when we talk about church growth, it's about maturity. It's about spiritual growth. It's not about filling a building. But we believe in it so much in discipleship in that process that this year, even our Galaxy Kids curriculum is focused around that theme of discipleship. Every week, our Galaxy Kids are going to go through a basic discipleship lesson that's based on a story from the Bible. Another reason we're investing in discipleship process is because we want to ensure good, strong, quality, spiritual leadership as Huntsville Christian Church continues into the next 50 years. I'll be honest with you. For the past several years, as we sit down and think about who could be our next elders or deacons, we've often had a difficult time finding men for that task. And even as we would, we'd approach men and ask them, and they would usually say, "Uh, I don't think so. And it's tough. Some, Some men were honest. I'm not really sure what that would require of me. And so... We're now having a, one of our Sunday school classes is about biblical eldership so that people know what it would require. The discipleship process is going to ensure that Huntsville Christian Church 
has some of the best trained Christ-believing elders and deacons for generations to come. We did a soft launch, changing the way that we're going to do small groups with the story groups. I tried that with you guys in 2015, I believe it was. If I'm honest, you guys didn't make that transition easy. There was a lot of grumbling because we were changing things and we were asking you to do something that we haven't done well in a while. We were asking you to, to form up small groups. Some people were like, well, well, we're studying something right now. It's okay, set it down and pick this up just for this season. Well, but, but we're really, please. As a whole, you guys reminded me of a kid on bath day. They fight like crazy getting into the tub, but once you get them in, they can't get them out. And that's how it was with the story. Once, once we got you in, and it was hard getting over 100 people into story groups and getting people into that and getting those up and running. It was kind of like herding cats. But once you got into it, you got a lot of folks, those same people were like, man, I'm really glad we did this. I thought I, I knew some things from the Old Testament. We'd already studied that, but this was good. And so thank you for, for playing along at least. I learned a valuable lesson from the year we went through the story and, and trying to set up those small groups and, and get all that going. You can lead a horse to prune juice, but you can't make him drink it. Nor would you want to. So we're going to do some things differently in 2017. We're going to take a different approach to how that works. We're doing spiritual growth as we do spiritual growth and discipleship. We've already started one of the changes. And again, some of you grumbled. Some of you were excited. We changed Sunday school. <gasps> but here's the thing. If you're not attending a Sunday school, now is the time. It's a good time to start. Each class is 12 weeks. It's a 12-week commitment. But you go through your whole curriculum. If you go through this, it'll take about four years but I got to tell you, you will grow from milk to meat, so to speak, in your spiritual growth. You, you will learn basic things. What is it to be an elder? What is it to be a deacon? You will learn deeper things. As you study Scripture, you study Luke and some of the other Gospels and some of the other Old Testament prophets that people were going to talk about. You'll learn things about marriage. You'll learn things about life. This year... In that same vein, we're starting a discipleship journey here at Huntsville Christian Church. I'm calling it CPR groups. You'll see it start to spring up. In case you're wondering, everybody know what CPR stands for? Hey, no, it stands for Christ Promoting Relationships. Because that's, that's, what, that's what discipleship is all about. It's about intentionally building a relationship that's centered around Jesus Christ. See? And so we're going to have these CPR groups. And, and that's what it's about. Christ Promoting Relationships. It'll begin with 10 people. There's nothing special about these 10 people, okay? I just want you to know that. But there's, there's 10 people. We're going to go away for a retreat for a couple of days. As we come back, we'll spend the next 12 to 14 weeks together putting into practice what we've learned. And as we go through that, then we'll continue the same process with others as we go through this year. I know that not everybody in this room is comfortable and wants to commit to a discipleship lifestyle, and I'll be honest with you, a discipleship lifestyle is a dangerous one. You have to let people in to your life. You have to practice active accountability and things like that. But if you want to be a part of a CPR group in 2017, you just let me know. It's going to be a slow process, but we're going to grow it, grow it slow. And I'm praying that we'll grow it well. These things are just a few examples of 
how we're moving forward to continue with what I've said the last few years about how we're doing the next 10 years like they're our first 10 years in this community. My prayer with these messages here in January is that I've shared with you with vision and, and with, our, with our mission is that it's something you'll start to get excited about. It's a little bit different. There's some change in the air and I know we don't like change. We like to be comfortable. But sometimes we need change. My prayer is that, that as, as you see these changes coming, you'll get excited about them. You'll, you'll get on board. And that you'll also prayerfully consider your role in the future of Huntsville Christian Church. How you'll partner with us as we move forward, advancing the gospel here in Huntsville, Alabama. Folks, I'll be honest with you, we need all hands on deck. From here on out, we need you to be all in. We don't just want warm bodies in seats. We want warriors. We want prayer warriors. We want people who will accept Christ's call to go into all the world, starting with Huntsville. We need those partnerships in every aspect of what they are. As we come to our response time today, will you consider how you'll respond to that challenge? You don't have to walk up here this morning and go, oh, I want to go on a discipleship. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just want you to think about how you will help us continue to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into Huntsville, Alabama. It's what we've been called to do. You're not here by accident. Well, I was stationed here. It wasn't by accident. You're here and we have work to do. I've shared all the stats with you as we've gone through January of what's going on in our community, in our church, in our world. I can't sit by idly and just let it go anymore. We have work to do. It's time to step into things and quit stepping out of things. It's time to to get on your knees. It's time to be prayer warriors. I shared with you a few weeks ago about storming the gates of hell. That's what we're called to do. I love you guys, but we have work to do. We have work to do. And it's time to get busy doing God's work. And that's really what it comes down to. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's no longer yours. Don't be selfish with the gift you've given him. It's time to move on. It's time to step out of this building and do something in this community that others are afraid to do. Let your light shine. Think about those things as you stand and sing our response song this morning. It's been great to be here with you all this morning to worship with you. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, go prepared to connect with somebody unselfishly. To love boldly, to serve humbly, to share unconditionally. And strive to maintain unity wherever you are. If we make these things a true focal point of our day, we will be a better reflection of Christ in our community. Will you sing this last song with us?